Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Oms, episode 250. Hey, my riches, I'm Hayut, and I'm so happy to be here today. There are a few reasons why so many entrepreneurs fail and around 90% of the entrepreneurships fail. However, many of the most successful entrepreneurs I interviewed for my podcast told me the same thing. Keep going. Only those who quit fail. In today's episode, I chose to focus on the stories of three successful entrepreneurs. The main reason for their success was their state of mind. No matter what happened and how big the failures they experienced were, they never ever gave up until they succeeded. I think you will find those stories very inspiring. My first guest is Brian Roland, who said, A lot of failures look like trial and error. It's an interactive process. It kind of hits the failure category. But we learned so much through the process that it's hard to see it as a failure. Brian Holland is a social entrepreneur and founder of Abenity, the Six Inc. 5000 company that's powering corporate perks for top brands including US Bank and MasterCard. And while Abenity provides millions of subscribers with private discounts, the company's social mission is fighting extreme poverty with every program they deliver. Abenity recently exceeded a million dollars of total giving and hired a CEO to accelerate growth with their fully remote team. Brian lives in Scottsdale with his wife and three daughters and is investing his time in efforts that help like-minded entrepreneurs establish a social mission of their own. Let's listen to Brian's incredible story. Brian Roland, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi! Hello, thank you for having me on your show. It's so good that you are here. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Well, thank you. That's a that's a great, fun question. Uh, well, my name is Brian Roland. I'm out in Arizona in the USA, and I'm a social entrepreneur. So in 2006, my brother and I built a, a SaaS company, uh, software as a service that helps um, large corporations offer employee perks and benefits to their people. Mm -hmm. uh, we've negotiated discounts on everything from pizza and the zoo to movie tickets, oil changes, car rentals, hotels. We put it all in one spot for our clients and we brand it to look like the company. And then the uh, employees have show and save coupons all, all over the United States and travel offers across the world. 
where they can enjoy special corporate perks. And when we founded our business, we we really wanted to stand for something outside of our industry. So we built our business with a social mission okay. and so that there was an output to our cause for every input into the business. And that is really what gives me the most uh, passion and, and joy and, and um, mission at this point in my career where 13 years into it, I was able to hire a CEO and a president and COO to run the business a couple of years ago. So I'm squarely in a founder role and, and looking forward to uh, many more exciting, exciting years for Abenity. Sounds terrific. And uh, you call yourself a social entrepreneur. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Social entrepreneurship really formed as a, a more focused um, movement out of kind of corporate social responsibility. So in the 80s, corporate social responsibility was a form of social entrepreneurship. But like many good things, it gets so process-driven that it just becomes a checkbox that you do to mm-hmm. assure your investors that you're a safe bet and that nobody's going to um, look at you as, as doing something too capitalistic where you're just in it for the money. Mm-hmm. And so, so uh, corporate social responsibility is this big phrase for Yes, we also help our community. Now, social entrepreneurism uh, really started forming in the early 2000s. Uh, I think Blake Lukoski is probably the, the most well-known for his Tom's Shoes, Buy a Pair, Give a Pair right. move, movement that he started. He started that the same year that we kind of decided to do the same thing. And today, universities across the world have uh, social entrepreneurship degrees and and ways to say, hey, um, here's why you should build a business for a cause instead of just start a nonprofit or check the traditional corporate social responsibility boxes. I love that. Tell me a bit about your career path. How did you start? How did you get to entrepreneurship? Yeah, I, I think I've had the entrepreneurial bug my whole life. Uh, as, a, as a third grader, I hmm. was... Um, making laminated folders because my folders would tear apart. So I laminated <laughs> them and, and then uh, they'd hold up. And I remember, you know, there was a, a project where I was, I was selling those and then I, you know, personalize your folders by having your picture laminated inside or, you know, pick any folder you want. We can laminate anything kind of deal. So as a 10 year old, uh, that was, <laughs> that was what I was doing. And, you know, that shaped into um, music for me. And I started playing the trumpet when I was young, which I think uh, is a very entrepreneurial endeavor. Uh, it's, and mm-hmm. teaches, it teaches you to be kind of the entrepreneurial solo artist where you're kind of running the show and everybody's looking at you. It teaches you to be a team player where you're sitting in the symphony and, and blending in so that nobody notices your contribution, but they hear they see everything as a whole. And that led to teaching trumpet lessons, which led to making a CD and moving to Nashville to go to school, which led me to selling cell phones, kind of having the aha moment that uh, the music industry is actually not that entrepreneurial. It's pretty Mm. corporate. Um, It's very, it's based more on uh, relationships than 
Um, it's based more on what you can do for somebody else than on what you can get done, and uh, which is not very entrepreneurial. Lots of politics involved. And from there, I took a job selling cell phones where it was very much, you know, go out there and uh, outside sales, figure out how to make your paycheck. And it was in that role that I discovered this gap where companies uh, would love to offer perks and benefits to their people. Uh, but they had a hard time, one, finding the perks to offer, uh, vetting the perks to make sure they were good, and then having a platform to communicate them uh, to their people. And as technology increases, the ways of communication get more complex to make them more simple. And um, that's how we built Abenity. And uh, doing that to this day, we've probably built five or six businesses inside of Abenity. Uh, that so, uh, you know, really, um, this is what led me two years ago to realize the business grew to a certain level of maturity where the number of businesses that I could launch within Abenity kind of reached its peak uh, for what the team what the team could accomplish in a healthy way. We bootstrapped the whole way. We didn't take outside funding, so wow. we weren't a we weren't able to scale outside of our our cell. We weren't. We weren't able to build infrastructure faster than we could build customers. Um, so that limited what we could do. Um, in some ways, it accelerates what we can do as well because we're, mm. we're focused very strategically on what matters most and we take very careful bets. But there was this moment where it was like, you know, we're, um, our business doesn't need an entrepreneur anymore. It needs people to help execute and set standards and focus on growth. And, and those are just areas that fell outside of where my passion areas were. And so it's time to put the right people in place to take the business to the next level. And and that's what we did. So today I'm kind of our chief evangelist for the brand, which allows me to be available here uh, talking to you. And hmm. it's been a lot of fun. It is. I'm sure you've got many successes. We already heard about some and we will hear about others in a minute. But I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? There's been more than a few. Um, you know, a lot of failure just looks like trial and error. It's uh, an iterative process that's like, wow, okay, we spent a lot of time and money trying that, and it didn't really work out as well as we thought. And so it kind of hits the failure category, but we learned so much mm. through the process that it's hard to see it as a failure. I think it's a beautiful answer to that. It's not the first time that it's a beautiful answer. Well, thank you. Because I think many entrepreneurs should listen to that and understand that there are so many pros and cons and things that are working and things that aren't working. And if you see everything as a failure and not as a you know part of the journey, you might lose. To prevent, to limit failures, we as, and this is from kind of a software development point, you and so we're we're always inventing um, within our software we're always trying to make things better but it's very expensive to 
um, to take a bet on what you're going to invest in next with the software team. And so we started uh, hedging our bets in the last year and a half by creating what we what we've kind of um, what we call the betting table, mm -hmm. which is coined after uh, the a book I read that originated from the Thirty Seven Signals folks, and 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 the betting table is is we 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 broke our development cycles into um, two sets of sprints that are each three weeks long and a sprint is a focused period of work and it's really what what can we fully accomplish within this three week period um, or this greater six week period and as a as a team uh, we basically take place bets on what's most important to us and what we think is most important for the company and collaboratively uh, the, the what everybody places the most bets on is what we move forward with and that allows us to keep a holistic point of view uh, and make sure that kind of wisdom from all areas of the business is is playing in so it's not just my entrepreneurial whim mm -hmm. at the moment that's driving the next initiative and uh, that's been that's been a very productive way for us to kind of hedge hedge our bets and that's something you mature into as as you build a team that's got a lot of knowledge in in your space and um, and internal understanding of of what the needs are of the of the company. Fantastic. Now, please tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus, or something you did right about approaching your customers. I think the the best answer there. Kind of reflects back to the beginning of this podcast where you asked us um, you know about our business and how we got started and I mentioned I started the business with with a social mission yeah um, for for me I started the business for a social mission because I just with five years in the professional world I had realized that no matter how successful you are in work you hit a point where It's, you know, making more money just doesn't hit the box of, mean, of being meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, money is a tool that helps you accomplish your goals and helps you, it fuels your mission. Um, but it's, it's not nourishing. It's not enriching. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make you healthy. Mm -hmm. And so um, money in itself, if you're looking for money as your nourishment, you're never going to find Uh, that it's enriching it's it's just it's never going to be enough and so you don't you don't get full from money and I had learned that early on in my career and so when I started Abenity I wanted the why for the work to be outside of our brand because I knew the brand would let us down I, I knew at some point a hard situation would happen and if if my meaning and my identity was inside the brand And, uh, you know, actually two weeks into me going full time, we were told uh, we received a cease and desist that said, hey, you have to change your brand name uh, oh. because it violates this this trademark over here. And so I was like, oh, man, I'm glad I didn't have my identity in our brand name because we had to change that. Yeah. The legal battle and, and fight for it. And so I, I didn't want 
it to be in our products and services because those are the things you pivot all the time. I mean, you're always pivoting what you do to meet the needs of your customers. And so, and I didn't want it to be in our industry uh, because, you know, it needed to be about more than that. And so when, when I was, um, so Mark and I focused our social mission um, as our meaning or why. It's like for every dollar that comes into the business, we want to know that a dollar is coming going out of the business towards a cause that is bigger than ourselves and is worth fighting for. And, and the biggest uh, thing that came to mind was extreme poverty. And there's, there's still today, um, pre COVID, there's about 500 million people living in extreme poverty, about 250 million people were thrown back into extreme poverty over the last two years. Uh, it's the United Nations number one, goal is to eradicate extreme poverty by the year 2030. Uh, recently talking to some experts, they think it's maybe 2040 now, but in our lifetime, um, we can eradicate extreme poverty. And extreme poverty are the folks whose kids don't go to school because they're out um, getting water for the family. Mm-hmm. And they, they it's, a fi- it's a five mile hike to water. And the water they bring back um, for the day or two is is um is is dirty water and the water ultimately is what makes them sick and they get a little sick from the water which causes them to get more dehydrated and they don't have health care um and they're um because everybody's kind of held down by these basic needs that are that are not already met for their communities um entrepreneurism is held back and so we're very focused um on supporting extreme poverty, uh, helping eradicate this uh, by the year 2030 um, or shortly after at this point. And, and to date, since we started that mission, we've been able to give over $1.2 million towards these efforts wow. through a group called World World Vision. Uh, we're, we're sponsoring 250 kids monthly. Um, I got an awesome message from uh, the the community that we're supporting directly from the community leaders in Senegal, Africa, where we support them. And, and it was a thank you from the kids, from the community directors saying, Hey, look, world vision has been in our community for the last 20 years. They have provided us with clean water. We have, we have wells on property. Now Uh, we have schools built. We have healthcare facilities built. We have microfinance loans that, have fueled our local our entrepreneurs to start and sustain their own businesses so that World Vision is not needed here anymore. We are lifted out of extreme poverty and World Vision is moving on to the next community, which means uh, those kids were saying goodbye to us that we'd sponsored for the last 10 years wow. and uh, because they didn't need us anymore. And that was just a really cool full circle moment for us. And I don't think there's anything greater that that we've done at Abenity than, than that. And it's, and it's thanks to the support of our customers and the focus on, on that, that social mission. Hmm. Wow. What a story. It's amazing. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? It's a great question. I believe the biggest success factor is uh, just showing up. It's uh, being willing to take 
small chances, um, go out on a limb a little bit, um, you know, trust that the limb will bend but won't break, knowing that you're not so far off the ground that if it does break that you're going to be in very bad shape. And just having a healthy perspective uh, as you go out and take some simple risks that allow you to take a step forward because many people just don't show up. Uh, mm. And the people that do show up, uh, they also don't kind of go for it. They don't take that next step to just go for it. And they, they let many things hold them back. And so my best advice for people out there, just show up. Show up at work. See what you see. Pay attention to what's going on. This is how great entrepreneurs are formed is they, they see something that uh, connects dots for them. They're like, we should solve that. We should fix that. And then when you're, when you're in that and you're like, okay, I see the problem. I see what we need to go after. Well, then take, take those steps, those risk steps. Um, I also have, we've done everything we've done without outside funding. We've not needed any. And we've always been able to self-fund from our own success. And that's because if we built something that somebody really needs, they pay for it. And when they pay for it, we can reinvest the money mm. and do more with it. And, and so when you're taking other people's money, you're not really operating fully in the real world with what will connect to customers. And, and that just prolongs the amount of time it takes for you to be successful while at the same time, um, because you have a security blanket under you that makes it, you know, you don't take the right risks because you're like, yeah, we've got so much money. We can, we can do it this way. We don't have to bet our own money. And so when you're betting your own money, you think very differently. Sure. And, um, and then when you're leveraging other people's money, you have way less control. I, I don't think there's a single investor out there that I could have said, Hey, I want to build, um, I want to build a business off of your money and then give over a million dollars of the profits away. Uh, it's as a, you know, p paying you back slower. Uh, investors are going to look at that. Like that's not how this works. And that's been the most meaningful opportunity that we've had in our business and what's made it very worthwhile through all the ups and downs. And so I think these are all good things to consider as you're thinking through that. Hmm. My second guest for today is Sir Roger Glory, whose best advice for entrepreneurs is there is just one simple rule and it's never ever give up. You just have to keep going. Sir Roger Glory, Sergey, is an enthusiastic serial entrepreneur. He has a wealth of knowledge on e-commerce that can quite beneficial to every business owner. His automation service journey started because of his personal success and demands by others to treat similar paths that yield positive results. He broke a lot of barriers and utilized an ever-evolving landscape that has helped to grow and establish a new formula. Soyoja has launched the first multi-market automation service and thereby offering solutions to problems that are encountered by entrepreneurs. Sergeyosha Glory, Sergey, hi, what a pleasure to have you here. 
Hey, how are you? Nice to uh, be here. It's great that you are here, and I just shared with my listeners what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading? Right. Well, yeah, so basically, our, uh, as you probably told your listeners, uh, my company is Digital Global Nomads, right? So basically, it's, uh, it's basically what, whatever is in the three words is what I'm trying to achieve. So uh, I'm basically trying to provide the freedom of, you know, financial independence and independence and true freedom, whatever that means for anyone, right? It, it could mean uh, just spending more time with your kids. It could mean traveling the world. It could mean just, you know, letting your wife stop of uh, uh, be home with the kids. You know, whatever it means, whatever true freedom means to you is basically what I want to provide. And that is what digital global nomads stand for, right? It doesn't really mean you have to travel the world like a nomad, but mm. it means that you would always have the freedom to do so. And by that means is the financial freedom, which we try to provide through e-commerce, right? E-commerce automation, which means you can own your own e-commerce store on Amazon or Walmart without you actually have having to manage it or handling it. So that's basically what we provide is fully automated e-commerce stores. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. And uh, where are you heading? What do you plan for the future? Well, uh, the future, basically whatever, you know, whatever... It brings us obviously the e-commerce landscape is uh, it's a challenging landscape, but it also you know it's 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 the future. E-commerce is the future, sure. and as definitely, if you're asking where we're headed, is we're just gonna go full throttle, right? And we're just gonna go ahead and stay in the game of uh, especially e-commerce uh, of of Amazon and Walmart. Why? Because they're the biggest players out there, and we do believe that even if it is quite challenging sometimes to navigate in those uh, landscapes or, you know, playing by their rules, as, as we would say. Um, we, we just try to, to keep it going uh, because, as you can see in this, what currently happened the last one or two years, right? So many businesses went bankrupt, the sure. traditional brick and mortar. So we really think it's very important to have an online presence or an e-commerce uh, income by for that matter. So I think we will just be just uh, going full ahead on on what we are doing but i think uh, a very important factor for the future is diversification right so diversify by be having a presence or an e-commerce store on different platforms uh, like amazon walmart but also like you know shopify facebook sure. and there will be many more uh, coming in the future that i'm sure of so diversify diversification of your portfolio as they say in the investment world uh, is also something that I we are w- working on in the future yeah sounds great do you recommend any person to have an e-commerce automated business of course uh, any person you don't have to be an entrepreneur you don't have to be a previous successful or failed entrepreneur no any any business any family any individual can can open uh, uh, or own an e-commerce store even without experience because that's basically where we come in, right? We actually are looking for partners. These are partnerships. Uh, We do all the work, but we actually, the the store is on on your name and we also obviously use your 
credit line or credit cards or, or capital, whatever you have. So basically, the customer is the investor and we are the, the, the managing partners. Uh, but yes, anyone, of course, as long as you have the capital, which is quite uh, easy for U.S. residents. Uh, I'm not a U.S. resident, for example. Um, Non-U.S. residents might have more difficulty with securing credit lines than okay. U.S. residents. But yes, anyone who has the capital for it, um, I definitely uh, advise them to, to have an e-commerce presence. Yeah. And what is the capital required to have um, to start an e-commerce presence? Well, it is actually, um, we have different packages with different uh, percentages um, of the partnership. Um, usually it's a 50-50 or 60-40 uh, for the client, but usually our packages are around $20,000 to $30,000 to get started. And that is basically a managing startup fee. So basically, you know, we can, we can start, we can pay uh, the startup fee to the team so they can buy computers, they can have more office space, you know, and they basically have some capital to start working. But you also pay for our experience. Um, the best thing actually that, I mean, the ideal scenario that we always try to, to, to prove is that we can get the, the, the customer, his initial investment, his front up investment back in six to 12 months, which is a pretty good business, right? And after that, um, they would be making 10, uh, 10 to 15% on whatever credit or capital they have available for us to process orders or process the sales with that we get. So yeah, um, it's definitely it, you cannot start an e-commerce store with five thousand um, dollars. You will need at least like ten, twenty thousand dollars to get started, and uh, another twenty, thirty thousand dollars in credit to process orders. Yeah. Interesting. Tell me a bit about how you started. What was your career path? Okay. Well, yeah. Honestly, I've been doing. Everything, almost everything. I, I've been a salesperson my whole life. So I, I really was a door-to-door salesman. I was an insurance salesman. I was a car salesman. I was I had uh, tens of companies, if not a hundred companies, uh, little startups that I was always trying. I sold LED screens. I had, you know, uh, so many things. I was in construction myself, working in construction. I did try real estate. I tried basically everything that you can imagine. Um, before uh, in Europe, in Belgium then actually, right? And I, for some reason, I just couldn't find my way. Nothing was really like fulfilling to me. Nothing really brought me where I wanted to be. And eventually uh, I, I just took the, the, a step back and, and said, you know what, I'm just going to get out of here. And I just thought, I didn't want to think about money or success anymore. I wanted to think about, you know, filling, filling my emptiness inside. So I just packed my stuff and went to uh, try and moved to Thailand uh, for two years. Wow. And again, there, of course, after four months, you know, a, a holiday is not a holiday anymore, right? You got to find some source of income after four months in a foreign country. And But the same thing happened there. I started a kebab business. I started a wine distribution. I mean, I had my own club. So many things I tried and so many things still didn't work for me. Uh, eventually brought me to Forex trading, right? And uh, I tried, by the way, the MLM thing too, <laughs> which okay. obviously didn't work. It brought me to Forex trading. And from Forex trading, 
after a, basically a two-year break-even uh, thing, uh, by then I was already moved to Philippines and I was already living in Asia for seven years or five years. Still not successful until I finally started to take a break from trading, forex trading, and opened my very first own personal Amazon store. And that's basically when my e-commerce journey started. Um, it was too much work for me alone, so I hired a VA, virtual assistant. And then it was too much work for me and him, so he so he got some help. And before I know it, I had a team of five running my store, doing $50,000 a month, making $10,000 in profit, uh, which I paid them a share from, of course. And I just started posting that on Facebook. And before I knew it, there was someone asking me, hey, can you manage my store too? And I told them, hey, why not? Let's just do 50-50 and give me a thousand bucks, right? <laughs> and then that's basically how it started. Yeah, that's really how it started. And then this guy brought me another guy. And, and before I knew it, I had 50 customers. I was managing 50 stores. Yeah. Fantastic. That's really how it is. <laughs> it's fantastic. And when did you start? How long ago? So that was, I moved, basically broke free from society in 2012, uh, tried Thailand for two years, failed, came back to Europe for regroup uh, for 10 months. And basically, um, short after my, my younger sister passed away in 2014, oh, uh, I, I took another leap of faith, right? And so 2015, I, I, I arrived in Philippines. And I think 2017, I opened my very first Amazon store. Yeah. So that's so actually this is yeah, it's four years. So here you're gonna stay. Where? With the e-commerce world. Ah, of course. It's 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 just it. I I always feel this journey has just started, right? Um, we've been doing the Amazon thing for for obviously since 2017. So it's it's already uh, a full full for four or five years. Uh, soon, but uh, we also added Walmart, and we were one of one of the first people. I mean, I think I was the first who automated uh, uh, Walmart dropshipping, and uh, because I I have stores that's already like um, February 2019, or even Walmart, right? And most wow. people just actually are new to that. But it's definitely the e-commerce journey. Like I said, it's challenging, but it offers a lot of. Um, initiatives and, and there's a lot of markets to be to be uh, discovered because Walmart and Amazon are definitely the most known uh, and the biggest of course but there there's a lot of others too and I'm sure I'm sure that's that's what we're going to add on our, in our portfolio yeah as an entrepreneur and you really done the way the journey of entrepreneurship pretty you have yeah. pretty <laughs> hard really done the journey and uh, yeah. as an entrepreneur, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listens to us right now? Well, like they said, uh, there is no magic formula, you know. There, and and if 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 I would have to name something, uh, as you're asking me, it's there's just one simple rule, and it's just never ever ever give up. You just have to keep going, and it, it literally is the way they say, you know. Um, fall i mean fall down nine times and get up ten and that's really just the way it is um never ever get discouraged never ever give up just don't just just erase that word from your vocabulary it's just not there you know it, it doesn't exist for me it doesn't exist and if you have that kind of mentality that kind of mindset that no matter 
how many times you fail, you will just learn from it. You will not get discouraged, and will just you will just keep moving, or you just try try something else, right? Uh, until everything falls into balance, then you're gonna be successful. Yeah. Wow. Never give up. It's hmm. simple. Never give up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You've got successes. We already heard about it, and you also told us about some failures. But I want you to tell us the story of your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most, or almost the most. I like to take the opportunity to 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 share something about this business, right? Fantastic. Because entrepreneurship, obviously, is not for everyone. Uh, and like I said, you really. You cannot give up after one one or two failures, right? And that is, it's not, it doesn't have to be um, other businesses or bankruptcies or 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 whatever, right? Or uh, things that you tried that didn't work out. It it most likely could also be with the same thing because ones that you found your passion, ones that you found really what you want to do and you want to succeed in it, also there, most likely you're going to fail several times before you have success in that. In, in in that sector right in that region whatever you choose so for me that that is a, obviously is e-commerce and people think always like that wow it's so easy right it's fully automated it's um it's an automation service they do everything for you yes that is correct but also this journey is just like any other uh, business there are a lot of obstacles to be um uh, faced and and to overcome right so Uh, for example, uh, in, in, in Walmart and in Amazon, there's a lot of suspensions. And that's just part of doing business with uh, giants like Amazon and Walmart, right? And that is basically one of the failures that some customers cannot handle, right? If they get suspended once, if their store gets suspended once, uh, they would actually give up, right? They would, they would not even hire an, uh, an expert lawyer, uh, like as we say, a reinstatement expert. To go after their store and get it reinstated, right? Basically, it's that's always the first hurdle. Um, if there is a suspension or a temporary money hold, or you know, you just get it's a slap on the fingers, and it's it's basically like uh, they take you out the race. You're the racehorse, and they'll they'll just you know they'll suspend you for a few races, and you just have to step aside, right? And you have to regain your strength to go to get back in the race and to go full throttle again. But most people, I mean, not most people, uh, uh, some people uh, will just give up, right? Uh, the people who come into the e-commerce or in the dropshipping, they most likely already know that this can happen. So hopefully they will, they will stick to it, right? But um, yeah, it's a journey with, with a lot of obstacles. For example, Walmart. I'll tell you something about Walmart, right? So many people give up when there is a suspension. But for example, in Walmart, it's always been um, very challenging. To even get approved, you know, to be approved mm -hmm. to sell on Walmart. Um, and many people, you know, obviously we gave a guaranteed approval or money back and, and we have that guarantee. But it doesn't mean I can get it done in one week, right? And some people, if they get uh, uh, denied one time, they'll have to create a new LLC. We'll have to try again. And most people don't even do that. They're like, okay, I think it's not for me, right? And they'll already quit. They quit before they even got started. So me personally, I had to create three LLCs and it took me 10 months 
before no. I was approved for my very first own personal Walmart store. I already approved 50 clients and making money for them. But for me personally, it took me t- it took me 10 months. So people complain to me about, you know, oh, I'm not getting approved in, in, in two weeks or one month. Well, like I said, they basically give up before they even started. So these are these are some challenges that I face uh, for customers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? My one key success factor, I think it really just comes down to the never give up thing again. Uh, it's just, I, I just don't think about it. I mean, I have, I have more... I have several businesses um, except the, the e-commerce, but it's just something if I have a passion for something, then I, I just go for it. Um, and that's the same thing I did with the e-commerce. And, and that's the same thing that I, I, I will always have that, that flame bur- burning in my heart. You know, it's just something that it's courage, you know, have, having courage uh, or have the balls, as they say, to do something and do whatever it takes until you get there. Uh, and that's basically uh, basically plain and simple there. Yeah. Hmm. My last guest for today is Scott Human, whose key success factor is tenacity. Never give up. Failure was never an option for me. Scott Thorman is an IT expert and entrepreneur that has been writing code and cryptographic systems for the last 25 years for the likes of NASA, the Department of Defense, Disney, and other Fortune 500s. He is the founder and CEO of Brightray Publishing, an all-in-one writing and publishing service for busy entrepreneurs like himself. He lives in Florida with his wife and son. Let's hear the story of Scott Truman. Scott Truman. What a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy you are here. Well, thank you for the invite. Hmm, of course. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now, and I would like you to share with us what are you doing and what's passionate about today, and where are you heading? Today, we, uh, about a year ago, we started a company uh, called Bright Ray Publishing, where we write, help well, we write the books for kind of the writing partners for CEOs and founders and kind of anybody trying to build their brand. Typically, this book can be kind of a vector, you know, onto these podcasts and to interviews and to the news. Um, so we've been doing this for about a year now. And, you know, I guess we've hired our ninth employee and things are going swimmingly. How did it start? Tell me a bit about your career path. How did you start and how did you come to this business at the end? So uh, 25 years ago, I started my career at, uh, at NASA um, as a software engineer. Um, wow. And I was, you know, I, I have a, a history at NASA. My, my father was, a, was an engineer during the Project Mercury, which was the, the first, uh, America's first foray into space. I was actually named after Scott Carpenter, which is the second American in space. Wow. Um, and then, you know, and I've, I've kind of consulted for Fortune 500s at Disney and, you know, kind of the, the larger companies, you know, uh, here in Florida. 
Um, and then about 10 years ago, I started my consulting company and, you know, we grew to 25 consultants and that was great. And about a year ago, I realized I was sick to death of, of technology. I was absolutely done with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I wanted to start something more interesting. Um, you know, I was writing this one book on a negotiating book for, for nerds, uh, nerds guide to negotiating salary. <laughs> and, uh, and it, it took me, I, I've been trying to write it for 10 years. So I just could not get it done. My, one of my friend's uh, daughters had, uh, was a writer. So we started working together during the pandemic, um, via Zoom. And, you know, we were, we, we got the book done, we got it done pretty quickly too. And then when I published, I had friends ask, how the heck did you get a book published with, you know, with, you know, with how busy you are. And then someone said, Hey, would you write my book? And we're like, Oh yeah, sure. We took the same process and then we did that one. And then we did another one and another one. And then, you know, and here we are a year later. Wow. Sounds great. You've got successes. You already started to tell us about it and we'll talk about it in a minute. But I would like you to tell us what is the biggest, most critical failure with customers. The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most. Yeah, you know, so the last 10 years, we've, we've, I have a, star, a consulting company called Bright Ray Consulting. And uh, we were typically, you know, we would have these projects of two or three engineers would jump in on a project. And if you're not trying to please the, the C-level executives at a company, you're going to fail. No matter how happy the senior management is or management is, unless you're, you're actually making and, and, and reaching the goals of mm-hmm. the actual C-suite to the CEO, the CIO, the CFO, you're going to be out of there. It's just a matter of time. Um, and I have definitely in the past had, I really can't tell you who, but would you say it was a fortune in the top 50, uh, where we were, everybody was just thrilled with us except the C-suite. Um, oh. and we, we, we were not reporting correctly. We were not, we we're not sharing our successes correctly with them. And as there's, uh, kind of, sh- uh, unceremoniously shuttled out of there as a result. Wow. And now. Tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. So it's with this, with the uh, Bright Ray Publishing, you know, we, we, we started with one and then two and then five and then 10, um, you know, and you, you start adding employees to kind of uh, to do more books, right? In our case, more books. Um, now, uh, the moment you kind of step out, uh, you know, you say, look, I'm only going to limit one project or two projects for this, that, and the other. Um, and you're able to actually make sure your customer is happy. And as a result, you know, we've always tried to overstaff. I believe that we, every, every single one of our customers to date, uh, has been static with their book and they're kind of their, uh, the, the, the end of the process. But unless we would have staffed up, unless we would have literally took an entire month of no sales and just, it just, kind of focused in on process to make sure we could handle it and actually, you know, handle new customers correctly, mm-hmm. um, you know, but as a result, you know, we've, we've kind of exploded and grown. What is the secret? I mean, how would one publish a good book? Well, there's a couple of ways of doing it. You know, our, our specialty is kind of, of being that partner where our, our clients just kind of use and talk for an hour a week over Zoom. And then three to four months later, our, our writers, you know, turn that into a, into a book. Uh, but ultimately it's, it's, you could have the, the greatest book in the entire world, but if your title is terrible, if your, your execution is awful, then it, it won't matter. And it's, uh, and, you know, title is, is 90% of it, unfortunately. No one's going to open it if the title is, 
is just okay as an example, or the subject matter is just okay. But the I can tell you how to fail. The way you fail is you try to write a book for everybody. If you write a, try to write a book for everybody, you write a book for nobody. I would mm-hmm. much rather write a business book for the 500 customers you have on this planet that are true believers than write a book for everybody. Because ultimately, these books are to close more business. They're not to sell books. There's only a handful of people that sold over 100,000 books last year. It's, yeah. it's not. It's just not a thing. These books are not for that. These books are for uh, showing your kind of expertise in your area. Um, you know, when we when 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 clients have we have involved calls, we do our Zoom call. I actually FedEx our book to them so they can kind of see what we do and, and how we're going to do it. Hmm. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? Uh, tenacity. Uh, it's it's uh, no matter. See, I'm in a, so when, when my son was born, I had some kind of weird thing flip in my head um, in that failure is not an option. Um, and, and with that said, I'll do the 12 hours a day, the 15 hours. I, I will outwork anybody on this planet. Um, and I believe that's part of it. You don't have to work 12 hours a day, but never give up. And, and I know that's such a cliche. And it's just over and over said so many times. But, you know, that the, the, you, maybe you're a day away from success, a month away from success. Giving up is, 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 uh, is a great way to never find out. Um, hmm. And, uh, and I, I just think that that, that, that just head down make it happen an attitude is the, the and, and I, I mean, I, I've, I've worked and seen, you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs in my lifetime. And that was the one thing that stood out was you know, the failure was never an option. It wasn't even, it wasn't even, it wasn't even thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that ability to just kind of execute. Were you ever close to a situation where you thought you might stop? Uh, no, no, never. I, I really, I'm, I'm right now, think about what my job is. Right now, my job is interviewing rock stars and CEOs and founders and inventors and astronauts and F-16 pilots and submarine commanders. And I, really, my job mm-hmm. is every day is to talk to amazing, cool people, kind of very similar to maybe what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, I, I'm, I'm never going to, re- the retirement for me is a box. I'm never going to retire. I, I love what I do too much. <laughs> Beautiful. I hope you found these stories inspiring. Whatever you are going through, I wish you always find your way to win. And until next time, bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Reach or Miss Show the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.